Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Artsy Fartsy Immigrants. Hello, hello, everybody. Today is going to be a pretty interesting show um, in regards to the fact that, uh, as you can see from the title, if I've still kept the title, the title that I planned to call it when I sat down to do this today, then you can see that um, it's going to be some good news and it's going to be some bad news. Um, I think I'm I'm slightly relieved that the good news or the bad news isn't a reflection of something that I did wrong. Sometimes it's better in a weird way if bad news just happens to you. You know what I mean? Like if something just happens and there's really just nothing you can do about it and it sometimes is the result of other people making bad decisions or being careless or inconsiderate or, you know, stupid. <laughs> as you know, as long as other people are being stupid, then you don't have to as a general you don't have to um sit too much in the in the where in the insecurities uh, you know your own insecurities you don't have to sit in them and like stew in them and like wonder if there's uh things you could have done better or things you could have done differently because sometimes a nice wife from Minnesota just marries a guy who has the wrong sort of psychological issues and doesn't necessarily show them up front and and he slowly over time becomes a raging alcoholic and then hits her but she because she loves him and because she's a little afraid of him as well and because now they have these two kids together uh, she stays with him um, and it's his fault and it's his problem and uh, she's just the victim of uh, bad bad decisions. Um, now, my bad news is not anywhere even one-tenth of a fraction of as dramatic <laughs> as my example. So that all, that also sets it up nicely because now I can sort of just let it go. Um, I think I am going to kick things off with the bad news just to get it out of the way. You know, it's like when you go to a doctor's office and if the doctor says, um, well, I have good news and I've got bad news, you know, which one do you want first? I want the bad news first. I want him to tell me, hey, look, you know... We, uh, we couldn't, you know, the surgery wasn't a total success, uh, but the good news is, uh, you know, you'll go swiftly. Again, death and domestic abuse aren't the level that I'm about to talk about, so now I think what I'm about to talk about will sound very petty and stupid, but you know what? It's my podcast, so uh, I'm allowed to be a little petty. Um, so the bad news is I received an email this week I would say more or less out of the blue that really shocked me um, based on previous emails I've gotten from the same people. So for a, a lot of you might know this. I mean, I guess the majority of the small audience that does listen to this um, would know already that in last year I started a working relationship with the like the major, like, you know, conglomerate Toman Music, uh, which is a huge, huge company, um, you know, many, many hundreds, like worth hundreds of millions. It's in several different countries, um, an enormous warehouse, um, like Amazon Prime, but for musical equipment, studio equipment, live show equipment. Um, they have a huge social media presence online as well and uh, they make a shit ton of money they're just a big old giant company and I think the biggest flaw that I felt working with them last year on this YouTube series that I created called The Moment um, is their first off their communication was always very poor I would talk to somebody on their and I can only speak for to be fair I can only speak for their uh, social media strategy team or their social marketing team. Um, I'm sure that the people who, you know, put the instruments together or build the websites, um, you know, they have a great app for buying equipment that I've used several times long before I ever knew anybody from the company. And I'm just, um, I'm, a, I'm a fan of the app and the company itself. Like, 
I can't blame this enormous company for the fault of what I've learned to be about three people in the, you know, Germany branch of their social media marketing team. Um, but I'm about to. Uh, so <laughs> the company always had terrible communication and was very slow to get back to things. They couldn't make up their minds. They couldn't make decisions fast enough. They were absolute cheapskates. Like they really underpaid us. Uh, I, I had an editor with me named Diogo and they just like greatly underpaid us for uh, the creation of these videos every week or every two weeks. And they also couldn't make up their minds what they wanted. Um, just like very long story short, basically the relationship started because I contacted them a long time ago. Like I think in 2021, I contacted them. It is true. In 2021, I contacted them um, to see if they wanted to maybe be a sponsor on my radio program. Now there was a, a time where I was reaching out to a lot of different companies whose products and whose sort of like message I supported. And since being a musician who's used this company a lot, I thought, well, maybe Tolman wants to put a little ad on the radio show. Why not? You know, what have I got to lose? And so I reached out to them and this woman, Laura, got back to me who, based on the language of the emails, I imagined her to be very old, like not very old, subjectively, but just like for that job, I thought, Ooh, for this job, she's like, maybe she's like 59, 60. Like the way she talked, I thought this is not a young person. Um, and we communicated about the radio program and then she changed. Uh, she said, well, we don't really do that, but we found your, or like I had links on my email to my Instagram and my TikTok and stuff. And they said that they liked that. They liked my uh, presence online. And I thought, well, that's cool. And they said, do you want to maybe make some videos for our YouTube channel instead? And I thought that's a cool job making YouTube videos, getting paid to do it. We communicated a lot about the terms. We had a lot of calls, um, about the terms and basically every single thing that they said I would get, um, fell through as soon as we had to put it into writing. Like this Laura person, um, offered quite a lot of money, like, you know, upwards of like a couple of thousand, um, for the whole production, um, she was very clear that I could rent as much equipment as I would need to rent from the company, you know, uh, completely for free. As long as I took care of it, I could use it for my own projects. If I rented enough equipment to shoot the videos professionally, I could, you know, use it for my other content and just everything would thread together. I would have the tools I need to make great content, to give them the best product available, and then they would um, have great content, which would help bring new viewers. And so then they can pay me for that labor and everything is like a nice cyclical thing. And that was what was promised. A lot of very nice, high, high, big promises at the beginning of that conversation. And by the time it came around to putting things into writing, they chopped what they pitched for money down to like one fifteenth of the original price. It was just like a couple hundred or something to start with. I had to like beg to get a normal rate for this. Um, I tried to rent a bunch of nice equipment from their website, like, um, you know, professional lenses, some nice lights, uh, some uh, green screen, some equipment that would, I could build a small corner studio in my office at the time and ha really have like a filming area where I can make anything possible. And um, she was like borderline offended that I wanted to rent so many nice things. And it's not as if I rented a million things, but this equipment is expensive. And she was like, no, you can't do that. And so I chopped my request list down to two things, a dinky little ring light, which I ended up almost breaking and I just hated it. I never used it. And then um, a, one green screen, but I ended up not even needing that either. Later, I thought maybe I do need it again, but in fact, it's stupid and you don't need it really. And it just slowed me down. And I, I made a couple of test videos with this equipment, but um, it wasn't working. I had a different editor at the time and a different flow and um, it looked cheap. It looked bad. And I said, well, let me, you know, and that's on me. I made a couple of demos that didn't look good. So I made another one. I made like a third or fourth one. I ended up making like, f I think four or five demos of the episode, which is fine. They want to find their flow. And I think by the third time I really had it. Um, and they said, okay, we want to do it like this. I, I had originally pitched them five 
I'm going to just call them shows, like TV shows, because that's kind of what it is when you watch a YouTube series. It, it is like a show. You have different episodes all based around one uh, topic usually. So I pitched them five shows, all completely different topics, all very good topics, stuff that I was excited to talk about, things that would be exciting to watch from as a musician or someone who would want to watch their content, I believed. And then I created a very short, like three-minute demo uh, of... Um, of an episode of this show that they took called The Moment. I made like a three minute one that I shot on my phone, which hands down, swear to God, was the best one I ever made because I shot it through a medium that I'm very familiar with and I edited everything myself and it was fast and it was exciting and it was interesting and it was cool to watch and it was cool to make. And honestly, that's what they should have taken from the beginning. Um, The majority of my follower base online is on TikTok for a reason. I, and I'm not going to start bragging or something here, but I just know what my strengths are. I know what I'm best at. And I know that my pacing and my humor and everything comes across best in this sort of TikTok style, which is quite short and punchy and fast with some nice zooms and some, you know, some crash zooms and some pans and like, Um, not pans like in the kitchen, but um, swinging the camera around and making it very exciting to watch and keeping it quick, keeping the momentum going. That's what I'm best at. And that's why I've built the following that I have for me. Um, And I I, I told her pretty early on, I was like, I really enjoyed making this. This was um, much easier to make than the YouTube demos. I think I have a much more strength in this. And at the time, they had just started a TikTok channel. They had one video that they obviously had shot professionally it was like the, it was like a hallmark hallmark christmas card commercial it was obviously you know a lot of money a lot of money was was put into it they had all they had obviously also put money into the marketing because to have your first video be this overproduced super well shot thing usually you don't get whatever it was like six million views or something they had a lot of views uh for their first video and i thought okay so they, they have money to make this huge content and they have money to put it into like not buying views, but buying the exposure for the content. And I thought, well, that's okay. So they have money. There's no doubt about that. And I'm telling them to their face, my strong suit is here. Let me make TikTok videos for you. And from day one, they basically just said no. <laughs> and I'd never understood why. I never could wrap my head around why they didn't want me to make content for them in the strongest best capacity that I could, where I would be excited to do it, where I could make sometimes like three or four videos a week. I really, of my own content, I release a single, a a brand new video. Now it's not always 110% amazing fresh content because I am only human and sometimes I don't have enough, I have too many things on my plate, but I still put out a new video every single day. So it could have even gotten to that point with them if the money was right and the schedule was right. I could have made them a video every day. You know, I had different artists lined up. I had different uh, methods of doing the video that I enjoyed. Everything that kind of fell out once they locked in that they wanted the YouTube version. And I kept saying, okay, okay, all right. I don't know, like I was in my mind, I was like, I have no idea why you don't want me to do the TikTok videos. I don't know why you keep, they were avoiding the topic. They were talking around it. They were pushing for YouTube more instead. They have like, I don't know, 10 people who do their, they, by the way, they always fucking did everything really wrong to me. And I am really mad at them. Um, I mean, starting with, they made me do the YouTube series, which is fine. Okay. I have an opportunity to make YouTube videos. That's fun. That's cool. Let's do it. And, um, I would send them the video and they would just assume that the first draft is the final draft. They are absolute idiots. Like what, I'm sorry, but what absolute idiot doesn't understand what drafts mean. And I'm only sending it to them so I can get feedback on what they like most. Um, How do you feel about the humor in this? How do you feel about the speed of this? How do you feel about the length spent on, on creating the song? How do you feel about the song? And they would just send, they would just send something back like this video is too long. And I'm like, yeah, it's a first draft. It's a first draft. And they would just always, the feedback would always be terrible. Like I like it. You know, it was like, how can you like this? It's 17 minutes long. That's way too long for YouTube. No one's going to watch this unless you already have a mega channel built already. And they would just be like, it's good. Or like, this, it's not what we expected. Like they would literally say the only criticism to a video that has many different elements 
involved into the in the thread of creating that kind of content their feedback would be it's not really what we expected and it's like well then what were you expecting Use your words, dipshit. Tell me what you're thinking. This is a job. I am creating a product for you that is meant to represent your online brand. Why don't you tell me what you don't like and I will fix it and make it good for you. I told you that making long form YouTube videos is not my strong suit. That's why I don't do it. That's why I don't do it. Of course, I have a dream of eventually building enough audience that I can move people over to YouTube potentially, but then I'm, I'm going to do it my way. Then I'm still going to do it my way. I'm going to shoot it the way that I want it, and I'm going to edit everything myself, and I'll make it about different things. I've always wanted to talk about you know, movies and games a bit more than I do because everyone just loves the German content and more, so I stick with that. But the point is, it's not my strong suit, which I was very clear about. So please help me create the product that you want me to make and I'll do it. And I, I can listen and I can adjust, but they never did it. So I was always literally, and I mean, this is literally shooting into the dark. I was always like, I hope this works. And they would always either go like no or yes. And they would never had feedback. So that was always very difficult from the very beginning. Plus they were greatly underpaying me. Um, I didn't have, um, uh, I didn't have an editing program on my laptop because it's too old and I can't afford to buy a new whatever it is 1300 euro laptop until I could confirm that they would want to continue working which they also never did they also never confirmed like an agreement of like okay now we have started you will make a video every two weeks full on stop welcome to the team they never did that and we did this shit for like over a year so it was always just dragging on I could never they, they, they would say, you know, why are you, um, I would tell them, hey, I have to issue out the editing to people. Can we please increase the budget? I'm giving away whatever it was, 200 euros of this um, to someone else because I can't edit it. Well, why can't you edit it? Why can't you do it yourself? Why can't we cut out the middleman? Well, because my laptop is too old to, to put on whatever it was. I was familiar with Final Cut, you know, something that's what I learned in school was Final Cut. So, um, I was like, well, I don't want to get something new like Adobe Premiere and then have to relearn everything from scratch. I'm just, let me just stick to Final Cut since I know it. And uh, then she would say, uh, I would say, well, my laptop's too old, so I have to know that we're going to keep working together so I can invest in this to make the product better. You have to know the money is coming before you can invest in an expensive, um, whatever, a tool. And uh, she just never did that. She never confirmed it. She said at one point, um, get the new laptop and we will give you a free Final Cut license from Tolman. They would pay for the Final Cut license, meaning I could use it for free. Uh, they also never did that. That also never happened. That never came through, um, mostly because they never confirmed how much money I would be able to make long term. Uh, they always gave me like, testing deadlines they'd say okay how about you release one on these dates and she'd give me like four or five weeks uh of of dropping episodes um so like every other week um doing that for these five dates um which is fine but then you always still feel like you're in what the germans call a probit site it's a, like a test period like an internship and when you always have just these test dates to see how the numbers look and see how the audience responds, um, then you always feel like you can be let go at any point. And that's how I always felt. I never felt safe with the job. And I was really, the content was getting good. It was getting to a point where like everything was like eight or nine minutes, which is perfectly fine for that kind of content. It was fast. It was funny. The music was good. The content was good. The jokes were good. It was making sense. It was coming together. And that's about the point where she said, oh, um, we have a new manager coming in and, uh, you know, we he wants to reevaluate all of our things, which is also, first off, don't be a pussy. If you don't like the content, let me go. Tell me this isn't working. Be upfront with me. I don't believe her for one second that there's just some new boss who wants to look at all. Let's see what kind of content we're doing. They have like 10 people on their YouTube page who make videos and they make like three videos a week. They at least the minimum they do is weekly videos. They have this one guy, Matthias, who runs their entire TikTok, which annoys me that he runs the whole thing. He's not that good. He's just not that good. He makes very generic content. 
Sometimes it's a little interesting, but mostly it's garbage. And they have, I kept asking her like, can I, can I just like maneuver this content over to TikTok and Instagram reels? Like I asked her so many times over a year. I must've asked her like 10 or 12 or more times over a, a year period. Can we do this? Can we do this? Can we do this? Can I please have the contact to Matias? Can I please discuss this with Matias? Can I please pitch ideas to Matias? She never gave me his contact. She never gave me his phone number. I would follow up. I would have a meeting with her, ask her for the contact. And then two days later say, hey, I'm just waiting for that contact. And then she would ghost. And then I would never hear anything for four or five weeks and then she would come back with answers to other questions but not with the contact to Matias. I think she's a big fucking I'm, mom I'm really sorry about the language in this episode and I hope you can forgive me for this but I am very angry she's just a big fucking loser and she doesn't understand how to communicate with people she doesn't know how to treat people right I always felt like some test monkey that was dancing around she told me that I was like part of the team but only still with like these test dates and then on the banner like the big photo banner of like welcome to our YouTube page they have all the creators on the page and I was part of the team when they crossed over into the 200,000 subscribers page. I was part of that. I may not have been the most popular videos, but I was part of the team when they crossed that threshold. So they made this big post with all their creators, not me. And then on the big banner, they left me out too. And I asked her about this. Hey, it would, it would be nice to be included as part of the creators list so that I can also share that and be on part of my page and make everything sort of like you know, synergetic. I can like, you know, make everything connect. Like, hey, I'm a creator for Tolman. This is what I do and draw more attention there. And she kept making excuses. Oh, well, you know, there's this graphics team and they're working on that. It just takes time. And I'm, I, I think now with all of my heart, like on God, I think gun in my mouth that she lied, that she just only lied to me because she was putting things off and delaying things and she was afraid and she's a fucking loser. And I'm so sick of people like this treating me like I'm not some king. I'm not some God, okay? I'm just a person who just it was trying their absolute best and in some departments of this kind of job of creating videos, for creating content, in some departments, I'm really good. In some departments, I am really good and I make a lot of effort and I know how to do it. And that's, and I have confidence in that department. I don't even have that kind of confidence with making music. Okay. I have more confidence with understanding how good content works and how to learn and how to adapt and how to follow these trends and how to make them your own and how to make something fresh and how to build an audience that wants to be there and watch you and talk to you. And they just never appreciated it. They ignored that. They had, they always played this game that they know better they were put like just throwing money into their videos they were like pounding uh, god knows how much money into their um into their marketing for tiktok and instagram so they could just grow and grow and grow inorganically you know they were just like pounding money into it and they had the worst communication uh, there was like all of a sudden after a few weeks of making the videos or a few months there was like some guy that wrote me a dm through the official channel on my instagram that said like hey uh well can you make uh can you make promo clips of the youtube videos for us to share on our reels i had already been doing that for i don't know months they didn't even see or check or understand or ask that, of course, I'm creating clips because that's the way that you do it. You have to create 15-second, 20-second clips that are funny and engaging and interesting, and you have to make them in the 9 by 16 format because everyone watches their full phone upright these days, and you have to adjust all these, and you have to have subtitles and captions, and you have to have all the certain things, and I was already doing that. It was already something that I was doing that I wasn't even getting paid for. Of course, I was creating clips to draw people to the link and I was like okay I was like well I've already been doing that so I'm gonna upload all of the criteria here to this Dropbox for you so I uploaded like 30 clips from all the previous episodes that I had made myself and then he tries to send me like this try this tries to send me this like criteria of what kind of format they should be in and I said I've already that's obvious and I've already you know in my mind I was like I've already done that idiot just look at my page for 10 seconds like I'm I'm working for you guys. Can you just can you just look at my page? Like 
what are you what is the communication like here are you just seeing my name in an email and just hoping that i'm doing everything right why don't you watch the videos why don't you go through my page why don't you see what kind of representation i'm giving off i was tagging them i was offering to be a collaborator with their reels i was promoting them i was doing everything right and i was making good clips and then, you know, Laura, then she would come back two weeks later, like the idiot she is, and she would say, um, do you think that maybe you can make clips of the videos to put on your reels? I was like, I'm already doing that. I'm already talking to this, whatever his name, John or Jason guy, Jingleheimer Schmidt. I'm already talking to him about doing the same thing. Why aren't you guys talking about that you've already, you've both communicated with me separately, like weeks apart about the same topic? Why don't you guys put it into an email put me in there, send everything together so you see what she writes, you see what he writes, and I'm there for all of it so I know everything. Like, how stupid are they? How delayed, how backwards, how, honestly, this is like borderline redneck that they just don't get how anything technological or fast works. They could have made everything so much faster if they had just, from the beginning, listened to what I told them. Hey, you want me to work with you, right? Okay, mm. well, let me tell you something my strengths, what I'm good at, what I'm best at is making short form content. Let me make you my five ideas in short form and see if you like them. Uh, and then she could pick one or two and then I could say, I can do these every day. I can make three or four of these a week. How about we say X amount of money per video and starting off, I can make one a week. How about that? Boom. And then I'll make shorter clips of that. I'll promote it on my Insta stories. I'll tag you. I'll put it into the reels. We'll get a real momentum going. We can make YouTube shorts and draw the attention back and forth to different platforms and just keep people interested on what Tolman's doing. And they never did it and they never took me up on it and they forced me to do, forced me. I mean, they only allowed me to do these long form videos, which took many months to get right because it's not my strength. And they judged me on the ones that weren't doing well. And then they told me that the, like the, viewer attention was too low so we had to figure out different ways to kick the episode off and then we had to do it her way which was so stupid and so boring of course no one was going to watch it and then finally like i guess a couple uh, maybe in october november finally they say um well you know this new guy's coming in he's going to evaluate all the content so we're going to stop making the youtube videos and i was like cool. So now I've lost this job that I wasn't even really comfortable uh, knowing that I may or may not have had after making, I think like 13 or 14 or less episodes of this. I was like, great. And then she's like, but we still want to work with you. We love your personality. The new boss too, like mentioning him, this mystery guy, she never even said his name. That's why I don't think he's real. But she was like, oh, the new boss, you know, he loves your jokes and your vibe and your personality. We still want to try and get you on TikTok. And I was like, that's fantastic. This is what I've always tried to tell you. This is what I'm strongest at. Let me make the five ideas. And then so in November of last year, I made the five ideas on TikTok and I sent them. I made a Google Drive. I made everything. I edited everything. I triple checked it. It looks super good, super fresh. Five nice ideas with titles and the, the length was good. The energy was good. And I made them and I sent them. And... um then it was just this slow death, honestly, just a slow death. Um, I always had to follow up with her about feedback and she always had an excuse. She always had a good excuse. I always said, hey, it's been two weeks. Hey, it's been four weeks. Hey, it's been six weeks. Have you heard anything? Has your boss had a chance to watch the videos yet? And then I finally, a few weeks ago, got a feedback that was very positive. And she said, to be honest with you, we all liked all of the, we all liked all of the videos so much, this, I'm reading it, this is a quote, that we can't tell you which one we prefer most. And I was like, hot diggity damn. Well, I told you, first off, I told you, fuck face, like that I'm better at this. You should have always let me do this. And great, you like them all. Okay, then. Why don't we set up a schedule right now? I can start making all of these this week, drop them one at a time, see which ones the audience uh, get more interested in. Give me the contact of fucking Matias because he runs the TikTok channel and I will make a schedule with him and then we will make a budget for this and then I will make whatever the videos you want. Let's go. And then she ignored that for another, I don't know, five, six weeks. I didn't hear anything back, anything at all about anything. 
I was, as far as I knew, I was waiting to get a clear feedback from this new boss. They had said something vague about me going up to the Toman headquarters, which is like a four hour drive from here, um, to have a meeting in person. And I was like, why? This is so stupid. Why would I go to your office? What year is this? Like, just tell me over Zoom or something. And then that didn't happen. That fell through. The the, ta- the rough date that she mentioned for that just came and went, like, shoo, gone. Um, and I was like, hey, I haven't, I was like, eventually, and this was like two or three days ago now, two days ago, I wrote my last follow-up email. And I think, you know, the funny thing is in this story, I have still left out so many disappointing, bad communication things that they did and lies and just bad, just very unprofessional shit. I've left out a lot and I've already mentioned quite a lot. And I've, I've done what? I've done 30, 30 minutes on this. So I'm going to wrap this up because I'm so, I'm tired of being angry and I'm tired of ruining your podcast experience. Um, but I got my final feedback. I wrote her two days ago. I said, hey, you know, I sent those TikToks back in November. Would be really cool now that it's the new year to know if anyone's had a chance to watch any of the videos or should we set a date for the feedback at the office? Is there any any updates? Has anything happened? You know, I, I know you guys are busy with the new year or whatever, like trying to lean a little in their direction. It's like, but I, I would like to get started just as soon as I know what's the right channel to, to do what you're looking for. And then later that evening, she has the gall to just write back some of the most pandering, condescending garbage I have ever had the displeasure of reading. She could, she should have just been honest and just been the bitch that I always felt that she was. She just should have been honest with me. And she should have said, I'm sorry that we, I'm, she should, she should say, by the way, I'm sorry that I dragged out this feedback for two months. I'm sorry. I know that you're, you're, you have responsibilities now and you need this money. And I'm sorry that I didn't give you an answer faster about what your income is going to look like for this year. Sorry that we told you everything looked good when we weren't going to bring you in. Sorry that we made it so, that we teased you out and made it sound so positive and so hopeful when we weren't going to bring you in for this. I'm sorry that I never gave you Matias's contact because I was never going to give you Matias's contact. Um, we don't think you're the right fit for this. She should have said all of that. But instead, she said um, that she blamed it all on this mysterious new boss whose name just still just doesn't exist in these emails for some reason. Like, I'm too low on the chain to just hear the name Dave or something stupid. She's like, well, the new boss has changed his mind or he's reviewed the videos again and we just don't uh, think there's space for you right now or like it's not going to be the right fit, we think. Um. But, you know, we still like you, Jordan, and like, keep on rocking. She literally said, keep on rocking. Like I'm in 11, like I'm fucking 11. Like I'm in middle school and they just turned me down for some like basketball camp. And that, and I'm wearing a shirt that has, I don't know, Maroon 5 on it or something. And there's better bands to use. But I think if a kid wears that shirt, it's even funnier. Like some, I don't know, Death Cab for Cutie or or something classic like, you know, Black Sabbath. I used to wear Black Sabbath shirts. And to have them say, sorry, sorry, Jordan, we just don't have space at the basketball camp for you this year. We, we, all the signups came in early and, you know, we know that you haven't been training the way that we need for this year's camp and, we still like you, Jordan. We want you to try again next year, man. Keep on rocking. You know, I felt like, what kind of child are they talking to? Keep on rocking. Either they, that's the most stupid, pandering, condescending way to talk to an adult human about telling them that we're not, that we teased you for two months, told you everything looks great, lied to you, took the job away from you, and now we now you don't have a YouTube show or a social media job with us, 
Um, and we were never honest about it. We never gave you clear feedback and we never honestly gave you a chance to do what you do best. Although that's what would have been the best job from the beginning. So Toman and I are done, unfortunately. Maybe maybe fortunately. Um, again, I can't blame the entire institution. I mean, this enormous fucking billion dollar company. I can't judge the entire company for what I'm guessing about three gigantic losers have done. Um, they've insulted me. They lied to me. They um, made me feel uncertain about my own skills. They gave poor feedback, very inadequate feedback. The, the, the delays between communication were so unheard of. Um, it's, it was just, it's, it's rude. It's rude. And I think that they're really gross people to work for. And I feel hurt by it because I used to be so excited to do this job. And I, in moments, like in fleeting moments, really, really enjoyed it. Sometimes the video would come out great and I would make these great clips and I was like, oh, I'm certain this is the one that they're going to lock down. This is the one. It was like, it was like begging for an abusive father's love. You know, you're like, if I, if I mow the yard really well before he gets home, maybe he won't hit me. It was, that was the feeling I had. I was like, if I if I do the edit like really great this time and I really make it good, then maybe they'll say that I don't have any more test dates, that maybe they'll say that I really like have the job or maybe they'll finally let me, if I make the clips good and punchy enough, maybe they'll see that like this could be how it always is if I did it on TikTok or Instagram. And it was always this hope like maybe they will, maybe they will, maybe they will. And it just always felt like shit. It always felt like shit. And I'm really, I really am angry with them. If you couldn't tell. Mm. Man, okay. Well, so that's where it stands. <sighs> that's where it stands with Tolman. It's done. I, um, I sent them my final... I haven't said anything to them. I haven't said anything to them yet. I haven't responded I sent them my final invoice because they did say, I, I double checked the email and I print and I didn't print it, but I took a screenshot, circled it, that they did say in November on this date that I would get X amount of money for creating those demos. So I sent that invoice that for some reason I just didn't do, didn't do earlier, forgot or thought maybe it was Gonna, I thought maybe things were going to move faster, so I didn't do it for the first two weeks, thinking, oh, well, I'll send it when they decide which ones they want, and then we'll set up a schedule, and then I just forgot to do it. Um, which now I, I've learned that they can make, uh, they can also make that complicated. They can say, um, you know, you need, you should have sent this before the end of the work working year, or maybe I have to date it differently or something because it's a new year and the job was offered last year and then they can make things complicated with the paperwork. Uh, so we have to see, and I'm going to wait until I've heard that the invoice has gone through accounting. Maybe I'll even wait until I make sure the money's in my account before I send anything. And you don't have to worry that I'm going to say anything like this I will be very clear, but professional, but I won't be kind about it. I felt very tricked by them. It was extremely, I felt, it's like I was duped. Like I, I was always being tricked and, and pushed to the side and ignored and underpaid, treated like this annoying little kid in the corner of the room who just wants to, wants you to throw the ball. And it's like, maybe later, um, actually my throwing arm's a little sore today. Mm. And it's, uh, that's it. And that sucks because, you know, that's one less channel of income for this year. And it's really, it's frustrating. It's really frustrating. But I'm glad we started with the bad news because there is good news to be had today. So let's move on to some good news, some positive things, something that I'm really excited about, something that I am very happy about. Um, like I've mentioned before, 
or I mentioned it, I mentioned it last week. Um, there are still many, many details that I cannot talk about yet. Uh, I'm not allowed to just yet, and that's totally fine. Um, I like building tension anyway. I like building the excitement. Um, but last week, I had some drama at the end of the episode, wondering if things would work out with this movie, and if I would get my vacation moved around, and if everything would work out. And everything worked out swimmingly. Like, everything worked out so well that the trip is actually better for us now, which is crazy. We still get to go down for the same length of time. Like, okay, so just to say, um, I don't know, how, I don't remember exactly how much information I gave in the last episode, so I'm just going to keep things really vague now. But basically, uh, this position on this film uh, was very important to me, and we had like a checklist of six or seven very important things to go through to see if this works. And I had talked to a certain person on the film crew who was like, this is crazy that you're even considering this. Like they were so honest with me. They were like, this is wild that you're even thinking about changing everything for this. I was like, I know, I know, I know. But I really wanted to do it. And this checklist was so important. Like every single box was so, uh, what like each, each individual box on this checklist was so important that the agreement that I had with Efi and with myself even was that if just one of these boxes is a no-go, then there's my answer. Then I don't give my confirmation to the film team and that's it. And uh, funny enough, as I went down the checklist, every single, absolutely every single thing was green lit. Like I talked to my brother about his, his own plans and things with scheduling and his work. No problem. He was excited for me. Okay, um, then it was like, can we m position the job within these dates so that we can travel by a certain time? Yeah, no problem. Uh, okay, wow, can I get reimbursed for the travel costs that we would be losing if I rebook everything? Yeah, no problem. Wow, okay, um, and get paid a day rate for that? Wow, um, okay, so that's already like, okay, well, can we find new flights all for that window of time that fit the the window of money that we already spent yeah and it's almost exactly the same wow incredible uh can we find an airbnb that we like oh we found a better one we found an actually like a better one where my mom can come stay whoa oh my god um well she could stay at the other one too but this is more comfortable um and then you know, is my mom going to be okay with being, having the visit with her grandbabies delayed? And that was also like heart wrenching for me. Like, can I re is she going to be upset by this? Because, and she told me that I, I worry too much and that's true, but I, I do have this, um, I moved away guilt, you know, like she's, 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 she's me you know, like we have her babies here and I don't want to keep them from her, um, any longer than I, than I have to, I, I don't want to have that separation. Um, and I, I felt guilty about maybe delaying it because I know she's excited about it. We are too. But then that was just as easy as as easy as pie. It was like she she basically already agreed that she's going to come to New Orleans. She's going to be there uh, for two weeks with us, which means we have a little more assistance with the babies, which is amazing because the last time we visited was so difficult. It was very hard to see friends, very hard to like have an evening. Uh, we could never do an evening together. We had to do everything separate or with our own friends, which is always frustrating. And just having an extra pair of hands there is just so great because it's a lot of work um, <laughs> for the two of us. And yeah, so every single checklist, like every single thing that I just listed was like, if, if something isn't right, if something is wrong or feels wrong or doesn't work out, then no go. Every single thing worked out better. The schedule worked out better. Uh, mom coming to stay with us worked out better. Um, uh, my friend Bruno's getting married and we were going to end our trip with the wedding. Now we're starting the trip with the wedding, which is so fun. Now we're going to go there, settle in New Orleans for a few days and go right to a wedding. Um, and then we, you know, have our whole trip and then we're going to end everything in Tennessee instead of start everything in Tennessee. And it's just so cool. Like we're going to have this whole thing. Uh, we just basically reversed it, moved it back four weeks 
And what that means is that uh, everything's confirmed, everything's greenlit, everything's signed and stamped. Um, the position on this film that I really wanted to do worked out. Um, it's going to be a little over two weeks on a film set, which is a lot, and it's pretty crazy um, because, yeah, I'm, I'm usually not away from home that much these days. Um, but I'm I'm just so extremely excited. Um, I don't know if I've men- how much I've mentioned again. I don't know how much I've mentioned before, but um, the, the opportunity to not only work with these people, but to support um, my friend who who wrote it um, is just means everything. So uh, that's very good news. And every time that I think about it, I get really really excited, which is a good feeling. It's a good feeling to to know that that's there and it's coming, and I can't wait for it for it to happen at the end of this month. Um, and the, uh, so I, when I had the phone call with the director um, at the end when everything was just like letting him know everything's confirmed and that I appreciate that he gives me the the opportunity. He said, okay, great. Everything is locked in. So don't cut your hair or your beard. And I was like, until I get to the set. And he was like, yeah. So that way our um, stylist has a lot of options to work with if we want to give you sideburns or if we want to cut your hair in a funny way. And I was like, all right. Cause the movie is a, is a time period takes place. Um, a little, some, I don't want to spoil anything, but it, you know, takes place like some, some time ago and, um, in the 20th century. And I, it's funny because, uh, the point of me saying anything about the hair thing was because the day that he told me that was the day I was going to get my hair cut because it's so long. Um, it's, it's already so long and so ugly that I already have to tuck it behind my ears, which I and everyone else that I know hates because it doesn't look good on me. <laughs> but I have to push it back because otherwise it just spirals out of control and it pokes inside my eardrums And because I have curly hair, so it goes on the sides, it just goes everywhere and it looks really, I don't want to look like a clown. So I just push everything back and get it under the hat or away from me. And now it's going to be another month. No beard cutting, no hair cutting, my neck hair is already coming out. My beard's already coming in. I I always trim my mustache. That's going to be a real uh, bother to not cut my mustache, let it grow over my lip. I never do that. Um, but yeah, that's going to be, I'm going to look so scraggly and funny. It's crazy. I've never, I've, I will have never had it that long before. And it's going to be insane. I really hope they cut it all off. <laughs> Give me some, it's going to be funny. Like I'm going to look like a homeless man until the end of this month. And then depending on how they, cut my hair for the movie I might look like a real weirdo for about two weeks (laughs) but that's gonna be so worth it I I love like weird challenges or obstacles for a greater purpose like yeah you're gonna have this weird itchy scraggly beard and really oily long hair but for a movie I'm like yes I love it and it, it was funny when I was on the phone with him I also asked him I was like hey that's no problem consider it done I'm not gonna cut my hair do you also need me to um like lose some weight. And then <laughs> I was kind of hoping he'd be like, well, it wouldn't hurt. Maybe if you took off, um, you know, 10 or 15 pounds, da, da, da. but he's like, no, of course not. You're already skinny. And I said, stop lying to me. I really, I was like, don't you lie to me. <laughs> of course he's insane for saying that. But, um, I was almost hoping he would say, yeah, it wouldn't hurt to lose some weight because then I would have a reason, like a, a greater purpose. You know, I'd be like, well, it's for the movie, you know, then I just do a Christian bail and starve myself for, for three weeks. Like, oh, Jordan, oh my God, we didn't need you to be, you know, um, whatever, 80 pounds. Uh, that's dead. I would be dead. Uh, anyway, so the movie worked out. The vacation shift worked. Um, what did I want to say here at the end? Oh yeah, no hair cutting. And I'm really happy about all that good news. Um, and it really washes away the garbage of the first half half an hour of this. Again, apologies for the foul language, um, but it's it's fresh. It's a fresh wound. So it just comes out. Um, and I will wrap things up today with just giving a little bit of a recommendation. Um, so we had the pleasure of being able to go to the cinema uh, for the first time last Sunday, which we very rarely get to do these days and it was really great to go go to i love going to the movies and 
Um, this, uh, there's a few different like original language movie theaters in Munich that are super cool. Some of them are less cool. Um, I'm a little bit in the middle about the one we went to. I mean, the screen was enormous. It felt very much like an American cinema. Uh, we went to this one that's just called cinema and I know some people are kind of in between on that one. I don't go there very much at all, but I, I don't know. I, I actually, besides, besides where it's located, I didn't have a problem with it at all. Um, but the screen was really great and the sound was so loud. It was like thunder over like overbearing wild thunder when someone would knock on a door. It was really, that was so surprising to me. Um, but anyway, we saw Babylon, the new Damien Chazelle movie with Margot Robbie and Brad Pitt. And I, what's funny about that is I, I think the marketing is, has done a really bad job because if I see the trailer or the online trailers or anything they put on TV, it doesn't really represent the movie at all. I was a little worried it was going to be one big annoying party for the whole movie. Um, it's a wild movie, but there's so much more story to it. Uh, there's, there's the movie starts off with a party, but then there's the rest of the movie after. <laughs> so I was kind of surprised about how they market. Everything just looks like really loud and it is a really intense movie, but, um, not the whole time. It's, it, it, there is a good story in there and it's really beautiful. It's like, I considered it, um, if you're if you're a movie nerd, if you love movies, I think you'll really love Babylon because it is. Um, I think I called it um, like the grandest ode to the great American picture show that I've ever seen. You can tell that Damien Chazelle. He for those who don't know, he made La La Land, and he also before that he made Whiplash, and you can just see how much he loves movies. It's very abundantly clear. He really puts it right there on the table. This is a this is an ode to classic Hollywood and all the wonderful movies that shaped our world from just at the end of the silent era into, um, you know, the 40s and the 50s, into the first uh, talkies and into the wild, wonderful world of color and music. And it's really amazing. Uh, it's a really amazing movie. Um, it's rated R for a reason. So, you know, going in with that, you there's nudity, there's, you know, there's drugs, alcohol, of course, um, and some violence, but it all kind of fits in. It's not like so, I don't think it's so in your face just to be in your face. I think it always kind of makes sense. The story more or less, and I think this might help people who who aren't sure if they want to see it. It's, it's, it follows three people who are dreaming of their own version of Hollywood stardom. And they are at the end of the silent film era. So Brad Pitt plays uh, an actor who is a very, very famous um, silent film star. And it's about his career and what's happening to it now that it's changing into sound, now that's going into the talkies and how that affects him as someone who's only known for his silent acting. And then you have Margot Robbie, who is a dreamer and a wild card and an addict and how her passion for wanting to be a great big actress, um, how you, you follow this journey of going in, again, this transition, she starts off in silent going into sound, um, and how that affects her and her immense stardom, and you see how her, um, how fame affected people back then, and how being on, how being on set worked back then, um, and then third, there's Manny, the lead the lead actor. The movie's really about him. It's such a shame that I can't think of his name. He was kind of a no-name as far as I know. And he's an incredible actor. He's a perfect lead. He's so beautiful to look at. And he's a great actor. Um, and he is someone who dreams of basically being a big film director or studio executive. Like He wants to be like run Hollywood, but he's at the bottom, bottom, bottom of the chain. And no one gives him a shot and he has to kind of work to where he wants to go. And yeah, it's really, um, it's really an amazing story. And it is definitely, like I said, like the grandest ode to the great American picture show. It's, um, the most, it's some of the most amazing set pieces I've ever seen in a movie. You're, you're watching people, you're watching this guy reenact how they shot these silent films, uh, back in, um, yeah, the late 20s. This, this movie starts in like 26, 27. It, uh, I think, goes 
what mostly goes through like the mid thirties, but then there's like a, there's a little time jump at the end, but, um, I don't want to spoil anything, but it basically takes them from the end of the twenties into the, I guess the mid thirties for the most of the movie. And, um, yeah, it's so extravagant. And it's so interesting when you look at uh, interviews with Margot Robbie about this movie and they had to do so much research and it is really uh, unbelievable how, how, like, how much debauchery took place. You always imagine these silent film stars kind of being like quiet professionals, but people were partiers. I mean, it was still very much Hollywood. There was a lot of, I mean, they were giving out, and this was research, but they were, they were giving out like speed. They were giving out drugs on set. Like the actors could recommend, they could uh, request things. And they had guys on set who just gave them like speed and Coke or heroin, whatever they wanted just to get them through their job. And the most amazing scene for me, my favorite part of the movie, and again, this doesn't really spoil anything. It's all just about Hollywood at that time. So it's, there's a big story that takes place there that I'm not talking about at all. So don't worry. Like the main narrative is how these actors are thread together. And I'm not talking about that at all. But there's one amazing scene um, with Margot Robbie where she is, it's, it's showing very, very re- realistically how hard it was to shoot films uh, once they first transitioned to sound and how difficult it was for people to to do to be on these studio lots like how difficult it was to have microphones at all how difficult it was to place them how sensitive they were uh, how the camera guy where he had to be so that his uh, camera so the film reels didn't get picked up on sound how hot everything was because they couldn't run any air conditioning, how sensitive everything was, how difficult it was to get just a nice standard take in, how difficult the blocking was, how sensitive and and, and time-consuming and money-consuming that whole process was. And it's the best, for me, it's the best whole sequence in the whole movie because it's so real and it's very funny. I mean, it's really funny, um, but it's also very real and it shows the, the stress and the fear and the concern about now these actors have to talk and can they, can they handle the pressure of the, uh, of the whole sort of institution being just barely walking this high wire um, because it's so fragile, the whole process is so fragile. It's really amazing. So big recommendation to go watch Babylon, especially if it's in the cinema. It's a big cinema movie. So see it before it goes to streaming because it's really a spectacle. It's really amazing. Um, and last, but certainly not least, uh, for those who are fans of, um, first off, if you are a PlayStation person, I'll keep this quick because I think there's only like a couple of people who, um, are gamers on this, but if you're a PlayStation person and you've never played the last of us, uh, now is a better time than ever to go do that because the HBO show is, is, is going full speed now. It's already had the third episode and it's incredible. Um, it's very different. It, so if you have access to HBO, or I think it's going to be on iTunes as well, you can rent episodes. Um, I highly recommend watching the show, The Last of Us. The third episode has been is a complete game changer. Um, it has a storyline that it was completely created and fabricated for the TV show. It has so much character development. You follow people that you don't even have at all in the game. Um, and it just paints this beautiful story. Um I'm not going to spoil anything, but I'll just say that Nick Offerman and Murray Bartlett are some of the greatest actors. Like this was just so impeccable what they pulled off in this episode. Um, and the attention to detail is just glorious in this, um, referencing the game. Um, yeah, the first game, really incredible, probably one of the greatest video game stories ever. And that's why they're making it into such a show that's so popular. Uh, I'm currently finishing the sequel, the, the last of us part two, which is so serious and heavy and dark and real. And I'm pretty sure they're going to make that into a, a, a series as well because it, it, yeah, it pushes things along and it's really, it's, um, it's not easy. It's really a big old story. Anyway, I'll leave it with that. If you can, if you have a chance to watch the HBO show, go do it. It's incredible. If you have a chance to play the game, you can borrow mine. Just go play it. It's really amazing and you'll love it. And the the graphics for the first one, I think are on like borderline with Red Dead Redemption. But the sequel, The Last of Us Part Two, is the best graphics I've ever seen in a video game, period. Like I am constantly just a gasp when there's like rain or when you're on a boat or when you're with the in this tall grass, it's so breathtaking. 
But anyway, okay, leave it with that. Sorry for starting everything off with such a negative thing, but I had to vent. You know, this is what the podcast is for, just getting everything out of my system and venting a bit sometimes. And, uh, you know, yes, that's bad news with Toman, but I'm very glad that there's still the good news about the movie. For me, that's much, much more important. And what's the most important of all is that my friends and my family are safe and healthy and happy and that we're still going to see them on schedule for as long as as long as we originally planned and uh yeah we're gonna reunite reunited and it feels so so good um guys thank you so much for listening today if you enjoyed today's show please go on over to spotify or apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to the show and give us a rating or a review or a comment or something or just share it make a post about it or just tell a friend whisper in their ear about the show because it's really it really helps us a lot it really helps build the algorithms to like show the show to new listeners like you so do it if you like the show share it tell somebody about it it really goes a long way it means a lot to me and i want to grow this artsy fartsy family uh just a heads up i'm gonna see mr mo bat tonight so we will catch up on old times and hopefully I know I've made these promises before, but I'm not doing it Tolman style. Really, just things are out of my control. And I'm being honest about that. Sometimes it just doesn't work. But we're going to catch up tonight. So I really hope that we can bring him back on uh, very soon. We'll see. So thank you so much for listening. I love you guys. And I will be back next week. Look out, baby. The saints are coming through. And it's all over. Artsy Farsi Immigrants, ein Podcast von John Prince und Moritz Batscheider, produziert für M94.5.